Section 9 of Trips in the Life of a Locomotive Engineer This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros Trips in the Life of a Locomotive Engineer by Henry Dawson Section 9 The Brakeman a very humble class of railroad men, a class that gets poorer pay in proportion to the work they do and the dangers they run than any other upon a road, are the brakemen. Though perhaps less responsibility rests upon them, they are placed in the most dangerous position on the train. They are expected to be at their posts at all times and to flinch from no contingency which may arise. The managers of a railroad expect and demand the brakeman to be as prompt in answering the signals of the engineer as the throttle valve is obedient to his touch. Reader, were you ever on a train of cars moving with the wings of the wind, skimming over the ground as rapidly as a bird flies, darting by tree and house, through cuttings and over embankments? And did you ever feel a sudden jar that almost jerked you from your seat? At the same time, did you hear a sharp sudden blast of the whistle, ringing out as if the hand that pulled it was nerved by the presence of danger, braced by a terrible anxiety to avoid destruction? It frightened you, did it not? But did you notice the brakeman then? He rushed madly out of the cars as if he thought the train was going to destruction, surely, and he wished, before the crash came, to be out of it. No, that was not his object. He caught hold of the brakes, and, with all the force and energy he was capable of exerting, applied them to the swift revolving wheels and when you felt the gradual reduction of the speed under the pressure of the brakes, you began to feel easier. But what thought the brakeman all the time? Did he think that, if the danger ahead was any one of a thousand which might happen, if another train was coming towards them, and they should strike it? If a disabled engine was on the track, and a fool to whom the task was entrusted had neglected to give your train the signal? If the driving rain had raised some little stream, or a spark of fire had lodged in a bridge, and the bridge was gone? If some loosened rock had rolled down upon the track, or if the track had slid, or if some wretch wearing a human form over a hellish soul had lifted a rail placed a tie on the track to hurl engine and car therefrom if any of these things were ahead and the speed of your train be too great to stop and go plunging into it did he realize that he was the first man to be caught that those two cars between which he stood, straining every nerve to do his share to avert the catastrophe, would come together and crush him, as he would crush a worm beneath his tread? If he did, he was doing his duty in that dangerous place, risking his life at a pretty cheap rate, a dollar a day, wasn't he? and still these men do this every day for the same price and at the same risk 
while the passengers regard them as necessary evils, who will be continually banging the doors. So they pass them by, never giving them a kind word, scarcely ever thanking them for the many little services which they unhesitatingly demand of them. And, if the passenger has ridden long, and the jolting and jarring, the want of rest, or wearisome monotony of the long ride, has made him peevish, how sure he is to vent his spite on the brakeman, because he thinks him the most humble, and therefore the most unprotected man on the train. And the brakeman endures it all, for if he answers back a word, if he asserts his manhood, which many seem to think he has sold for his paltry thirty dollars a month, why, he is reported at the office, a garbled version of the affair is given, and the brakeman is discharged. But have a care, O oh most chivalrous passenger, you who fly into such a passion if your dignity is offended by a short answer. You may quarrel with a man having a soul in him, besides which yours would look most pitifully insignificant, one who, with a dread signal to sound, would rush out into the danger and throwing himself into the chasm die for you amid all the appalling scenes of the chaotic wreck of that train of cars as coolly as determinately as unselfishly as the stuart queen barred the door with her own fair arm that her liege lord might escape and then methinks you would feel sad when you saw his form stretched there dead all life crushed out of it once so comely, now so mangled and unsightly, and thought that, with that poor handful of dust from which the soul took flight so nobly, you had just been picking a petty quarrel. If you have read the accounts of railroad accidents as carefully and with such thrilling interest as I have, you will remember many incidents where brakemen were killed while at their post, discharging their duty. Several have come under my immediate observation. On the H railroad one night I was going over the road, extra, that is, I was not running the engine, but riding in the car. I heard a sharp whistle, but thought it was not of much consequence, for I knew the engineer's long-avowed intention to never call the brakemen to their posts when the danger could be avoided. He said he would give them a little chance, not call them where they had none. The brakemen all sprang to their posts. The one in the car where I was I saw putting on his brake the next instant with a shock that shook everything loose and piled the seats passengers stove and pieces of the roof all into a mass in the forward end of the car the engine struck a rock the cars were all piled together and i was pitched into the alley up close to the end which was all stove in I felt blood trickling on my hands, but thought it was from a wound I had received on my head. I soon found that it was from Charlie McLaughlin, the brakeman with whom I had just been talking, and whom I saw go to his post at the first signal of danger. The whole lower part of his body was crushed, but he yet lived. 
we got him out as soon as possible and laid him beside the track on a door then went to get the rest of the dead and wounded we found one of the brakemen dead his head mashed flat the other one joe bernard was hurt just as charlie was and as they were inseparable companions we laid them together i took their heads in my lap we did not try to move them as the physicians said they could not live and there for four long hours i sat and talked with those men whose lives were surely but slowly ebbing away in life they were as brothers and death did not separate them for they departed within fifteen minutes of each other but notice this fact the brakeman who was found dead still held in his hand the shattered brake-wheel and joe bernard was crushed with both hands still grasping his yet these men were only brakemen end of section nine